When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. I want to start with the general managers meetings that are going on uh, right now in the NHL and something that I'm not really thrilled that's being talked about at the um, general managers meetings, and that is many different things that are being discussed, but one of the major things that they're talking about is reducing the penalty for getting a replay wrong. I guess the logic is that it's too harsh. You know, you, you challenge an offside, you challenge a goaltender interference, and it becomes a penalty and may discourage some challenges of borderline calls knowing that it could be too risky, especially the goaltender interferences, right? I mean, you just give up a goal, and now you want to challenge it, but if you fail on the challenge, now you got to kill off a penalty, and that could be the turning point in the game. If you've got a scoreless tie, say five minutes left in the third, give up the go-ahead goal, do you really want to now have to kill a penalty, which is going to cut two minutes into your time to try to tie the game and may very well make it a 2 nothing game? But I say I like it because you don't want everything to be reviewed. And I like the fact that you're only reviewing if you absolutely know you're right. See, when I'm calling a game and – a coach challenges an offside, I know they're winning the challenge because I know that the penalty is way too strong. So I like that they're only challenging the obvious. I don't want to sit there for 10 minutes reviewing a centimeter or whether his leg was off the ice and wasting time and and wasting effort and sucking the life out of the building. But I want to make sure that egregious calls are called right. Now, if you want to desperately do something to turn things around and you want to throw caution to the wind and risk the penalty, then that's fine. But I want to make sure that there is a punishment for delaying the game and sucking the life out of the game. The other thing, too, is the alternative is, oh, well, maybe you just lose a timeout. Well, there's only one timeout per team. So if I've already used my timeout, what, I I can't challenge an egregious penalty because I don't have a timeout? I obviously can't risk something I don't have. And if you're telling me you're going to add a timeout so that there's at least a little wiggle room, well, do I really want to see an extra timeout in the game when we hardly use timeouts as it is? So are you really losing anything if you've got two timeouts and losing one of those timeouts knowing that you only have one left but forever there was only one timeout anyway? I don't want to see that. I want the egregious to be overturned. I want the ones that take 15 minutes to determine to be thrown out. That's not what replay is supposed to be about, all right? Replay is supposed to erase the egregious mistake, not sit there and break down frame by frame whether they got it right and taking 15 minutes. I'm telling you, I've been in the building for that. Where, where you're, you're checking out the replay. Is he onside? Is he offside? The, the building doesn't get all the angles. The television broadcast doesn't get all the angles. The life is now out of the building. The, the fans are sitting on their hands. They're mulling around. It's just not good. I know you want to get every play right, but if it takes that long to determine whether it's right or wrong, was it worth it in the first place? 
So I like it the way it is. I don't want to see it changed at all. So that's something that came up, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's getting very redundant on these podcasts. I know Devil fans love it, but it, it's just amazing what's going on in New Jersey. They go to Montreal, they beat the Canadians 5-1. to one. They now have won 10 consecutive games. And when you look at the analytics, this is no fluke. I mean, they're, they're, they're scoring goals. They're getting better goaltending than people would have thought. They're winning face-offs. They're, they're doing all the little things right. I know there have been teams, it was a couple of years ago, Buffalo had a 10-game winning streak. They're also not doing it with a lot of shootout wins, overtime wins. They've had a couple of overtime wins, but this really looks like it's starting to mature into something that's real. And we talked about it with EJ earlier in the week. We know they're not the best team in the NHL. We know they're not Vegas and they're not Boston, and we know that it's in the middle of November. But I was thinking about this. What did you think the Devils were going into the season? I thought that they were a Midland team, probably missed the playoffs. Right? So any given 10-game stretch, having that opinion of the team, you're figuring they're probably going to go 500. So they'll probably get 10 points in any 10-game span. Well, when you go 10-0, and 0, then that means they've got 10 points that nobody thought they'd be able to get. And guess what? You get to keep them. They don't go bad. So when the Devils eventually come back down to earth, and I think they will, they're 16 games in, they're 13-3, 26 points, got a four-point lead on the Islanders in second place, plus 21 goal differential, which is second only to Boston in the conference and in the league. They don't have to give those points back. So later on in the season when they go 1-5-1 and one, or in a 10-game span they go 2-5-3, and three, well, they're going to be able to survive that because of what they're accumulating here. Their next game is going to be against Toronto in Toronto. That's probably the toughest test that they've had in a while. I know they haven't had to play Vegas and, and they haven't had to play like the big guns of the National Hockey League. When you take a look at, the, at what they've accomplished in this 10-game winning streak, again, they haven't beaten the monsters of the midway. Their last loss came 6-3 at home to Washington. The very next night, they crushed Detroit 6-2. Colorado, that's a legitimate win, one nothing. right? They beat the, the, the crap out of Columbus 7-1. Beat Vancouver five to two, Edmonton four to three, Calgary four to three. All right, now Calgary struggling. Edmonton at the time was playing around five hundred. Not too many teams go out and play three games in Western Canada and come back with six points. Then they come back to play Calgary, win. So that's tough to be able to beat a team twice. All right, Ottawa's not great, beat them. Arizona's not great, beat them. Montreal's okay, not great, beat them. So what what signature wins do they have? I would say beating Calgary back-to-back games, beating Colorado and shutting them out is pretty significant. Um, but I, I think anybody, even a, devil, a diehard Devil fan, will tell you that this, this, this is not sustainable. We're not going to win every day. And, and they're not the best team in the NHL. But for a team that you debated whether they're going to make the playoffs or not, 
a run like this may be pretty significant. So we'll see what's in store for them uh, the rest of the way as far as how long they can kind of keep things going. They're going to be in Toronto, at Ottawa, then Edmonton comes to town. So um, Edmonton will obviously be looking for a little revenge there. Uh, After Edmonton, they play Toronto again at home, then back-to-backs at Buffalo, home against Washington. So certainly the schedule gets a little bit tougher for them, but still. Pretty good accomplishment. Wild game in Tampa between the Lightning and the Stars. Back and forth, Kalorn gets the game winner there. Um, I, I, I think it's fair to say that the Penguins are in a little bit of trouble here. Uh, they lose again. They fall to Toronto uh, by the final score of 5-2. to two. Just two wins in their last 10 games. They sit with 15 points in 16 games. Now, how significant is that? Well, right now the Rangers have the last wild card spot with a 4 game lead and a game in hand. Uh, Pittsburgh's got a game in hand on them. Uh, Carolina's got 21 points for third place in the Metropolitan Division. That's six points back with the same amount of games played. It's too early to start doing the math on how far you're back. But Pittsburgh is 16 games in, and, and, and Dave Maloney has told me, who I call the Ranger games with, 20 games is really a good line of demarcation, right? It's the quarter pole of the season where you really evaluate where teams are. Well, is anything going to happen over the next four games for Pittsburgh to really change your mind on a team right now that has been very average at home, under 500 on the road, 2-6-2 and two in their last 10, minus one goal differential, which I guess when you consider 6-7-3 and three is not that bad. Malkin's played well. What has he got? Seven goals. Crosby had his seventh goal last night. Um, it's just not clicking. Same with Washington. Here's Washington, playoff team from last year. They played 18 games, so they're a lot closer to the quarter pole. Two games under 500. Just three wins in their last 10. They've lost two in a row. They've got a minus seven goal differential. And I know I've talked about this till I'm blue in the face, but goal differential is a tremendous indicator on where a team is. Because when you get into the shootouts, when you get into the overtime with the three-point games, the goal differential is a great indicator. Neil Smith told me about that a long time ago. So it's no, you know, it's not crazy. Hey, Boston's the best team in the league. 14-2-0. What's their goal differential? Plus 30. And Toronto's 9-5-3, second place. They sit seven points back, plus four goal differential. Clearly not as good. you know. Um, but when you look at the top teams in the Metropolitan Division, Devils plus 21, Islanders plus 14. Then you look a little differently at Carolina, who sits just in third place, a point back of second place Islanders, 10-5-1. That's a good record, right? Plus seven goal differential. But here's the thing. Every team in the Eastern Conference... Every team in the Eastern Conference that's in the playoffs right now, if the season were to end today, top three teams in each division, two wildcard teams, all of them have a plus goal differential. The only team that's on the outside looking in with a plus goal differential is Buffalo with a plus two. Everybody else is a minus. You go out west, uh, only two playoff teams right now have a minus goal differential. The Kings at minus two, Calgary at minus three. That can change in a couple of days. Every single team outside of the playoffs in the Western Conference, minus goal differential. I'm telling you, it's a tremendous indicator. So you look at the standings, look at the points, because that's what gets you in the playoffs. But if you really want to look deeper into how good teams are, take a look at that goal differential. Not great for Pittsburgh at minus one. Great win for the Canucks. 
as they win in Buffalo against the Sabres. The struggles continue with the Sabres there. Horvat has just been a very underrated player. 14 goals on the season for him. Capital lose again. They lose to the Panthers, 4-3 to three Panthers. Uh, and the Capitals both had 43 shots on goal. So certainly the difference in that one turned out to be the goaltending as Bobrovsky was great, blinked just twice, making the 41 saves. Uh, Capitals, Kemper, not as great, giving up all the goals on uh, the 42 shots he faced. One of them was an empty netter, so the goaltending wins out there. Uh, Flyers earn a point. They lose at the Blue Jackets 5-4. I don't know if you guys saw John Tortorella on television. You know, we suck is what he said. And then he just threw the headsets down. Not happy with his team. Uh, Not happy uh, with, with the goaltending at all. Um, they do again earn a point, but the Flyers are you know kind of coming back to earth here just a little bit as Carter Hart faced 33 shots and he ended up giving up uh, the five goals there. Predators, I got to see them firsthand last Saturday. Um, are they going to get the, the 43 goals they got from Duchesne? You know, uh, are they going to get the production out of the blue line? We talked about this EJ on Monday. Yossi had almost 100 points last year. The difference with the Predators is their goaltending. Soros had been awful. Stood on his head Saturday against the Rangers. Did the same thing last night, making 33 saves or 32 saves, facing 33 shots to beat the Wild. Again, not a big deal. Wild are not a team that's going to go out there and score six, seven goals in a game. But if Soros can turn himself around, the Predators certainly can turn themselves around. They, they are what they are as a team, right? They're not going to blow you away offensively. But they just need to get the goaltending they haven't had. Minus 10 goal differential. But they're only a point out of a playoff spot. they got to climb over Chicago and Minnesota. That was a big win against Minnesota. So Nashville kind of coming around. They've won a couple of games in a row. And both of those wins are because of the goaltending, which is how the Predators survive. Uh, Red Wings kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. They lose in overtime to the Ducks. The final score there was 3-2. to two. Ryan Strom gets his fifth in overtime with 50 seconds to go. And, you know, don't get don't judge this game by the score. You go, oh, Sharks beat the Golden Knights in Vegas 5-2. to two. Oh, my God, what's going on? Vegas just their fourth loss of the season, but they have dropped a couple in a row here. But this was a... This was a very, very competitive game as um, Marcheseau scores his seventh late in the second period to make it 2-1, and they take the 2-1 lead going into the third period. You figure that's money, especially in Vegas. But the turning point, uh, Nieto gets his second just a minute into the third period, and then Timo Meyer, with less than three minutes to go, breaks the tie. They pocket a couple of empty netters to cosmetically look like they blew the Vegas Golden Knights out, but I'm not going to be concerned about the Golden Knights. You they were playing at too crazy of a clip to begin with, but a couple of back-to-back losses for the Vegas Golden Knights kind of surprising at the way they were playing as they drop a 5-2 decision uh, to the San Jose Sharks last night. Um, and so we'll see how they're going to be able to recover uh, from there, but I think they'll be just fine. Looking forward to um, the games tonight. The Sabres will be at the Ottawa Senators at 7 o'clock. At 7.30, the Blackhawks play host to the Blues. Blues have won a couple in a row, and the Kings will be at the Oilers. That's always a fun game. That game will be on TNT tonight. So let's close it out with your tweets. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game is conduct. Let's go to Don L, who says, hello, Don. So the Devils won their 10th game in a row last night. Are they for real? And locally, are you surprised of the start of the Devils and Islanders this season? And I think the Rangers are not the same team of the pieces they lost in the offseason, don't you think? But 
Rangers are going to be fine, and, and they're a playoff. Even with all their struggles of the season ended today, they're a playoff team, and we've discussed many times how if you're a playoff team at American Thanksgiving, you usually find your way into the playoffs. Uh, the Islanders, I'm not surprised, because I thought they were going to bounce back nicely. Uh, the Devils, I mean, everybody is flabbergasted by this. Not so much that they're better. I think people thought they'd be better, but uh, this has just been incredible, especially after losing their first two games of the season, right? I mean, that, that, that's what's incredible about it. They've won 10 in a row. They started at 0-2, which made you think, all right, same old Devils. They're booing Lindy Ruff, and now he's now uh, fans are apologizing to him, wants to go out a beer with him. It's pretty crazy. David Hines says, with how well the Kraken are playing with Martin Jones and Nett, is it premature to say the writing is on the wall for Philip Grubauer? Also, do you try to trade him, relegate him to as a backup, or release him in one or two years and eat the contract? I don't think they'll release him. Um, and and let's, let's keep an eye on Martin Jones to see if all of a sudden he's going to be some sort of a panacea for them moving forward. But you know, doing the homework, I'm going to have the Ranger Kraken game tomorrow from Seattle that he is kind of a part of their turnaround. He has done very well. But also, he doesn't face a ton of shots either because they've really done a good job of clamping him down. But um, uh, that, that's, that I don't think Grubauer is going to get cut. And as far as trading him is concerned, uh, I think there are teams that would want to upgrade. It's just a matter of whether they think he's an upgrade or not. Joe says, hey, Don LeGrecker, New York Ranger fans shouldn't be too worried about this team. Their underlying numbers are better than last season. Goals will follow. But is it asking too much for guys other than the kids to grind goals? Sometimes that's how you beat Boston and the Islanders. For, I mean, a lot of the deflection goals aren't going in for Kreider, although he did have one go off his knee against Arizona on Sunday. The kid line's been good. I really would like to see the kid line stay together of Heedle, Kako, and Lafreniere. But, yeah, uh, there's a lot of skill on this team, but there's nothing wrong with sweating and grinding out some goals. I think they did that against Arizona. They did not play well against the Coyotes, but they found the back in the net to win that game 4-1, to one, although I, didn't, I thought they played terribly in that game. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I think this team is going to be fine. I think they'll make a deal. Um, the one thing that I would be a little bit concerned about is I don't know what's going to happen with Kraftsoff here. We'll, we'll get details on what his availability is going to be on this four-game road trip, but... That right side is an issue for them, and they really thought that Kraftsoff was going to have a, a really good start to the season. He's only got one point. He's got hurt three times, missed the game the other night because of the flu and dental surgery. Just You really feel bad for what he's going through. Rangers and Penguins uh, says, Hey, Don, do you think that's more likely that Pittsburgh or Washington misses the playoffs? Which do you think is more likely? Well, I didn't have Washington making the playoffs to start the season, so I would say it's less likely for Pittsburgh. Because they're so well coached. I'm not, I'm not suggesting Washington isn't, but I think their goaltending is better. I think they're a little deeper. But right now, if I had to bet, is it Washington? Is it Pittsburgh? Is it both? And I know it's only November 16th. I might lean on the side of both not making it. Um, Cyan says, hey, Don, recently Ryan Reeves seems to have fallen out of the Rangers lineup. The speed of Gauthier, the bottom six, has been a huge addition, and they cannot take him out. How do you think the team will manage him and that $1.75 million cap hit? Well, there's certain teams that you know he's going to play. He's going to play against the heavier teams. Like Cassian was not in the lineup for Arizona, so there was no reason for Ryan Reeves to be in. You play a thicker, heavier team in Nashville, he's in. I think he'll probably play against the Kraken, probably not against San Jose. Um, we'll see. He still has a place. 
he is what he is. He's an enforcer. He's a police officer in that room. He's a really good kid, good in that room. He's not going anywhere. But because Gauthier has played so well, especially with some of the injuries, they can move him around and he can play. They've had him play on the top line at times, and he's been the right winger on the second line. That's not something you can do with Reeves. It was a chance for him to play when Carpenter got hurt. Carpenter's back in the lineup. He's a center. He can do more. So there's team, there's got, Gauthier's got speed. He can, he can get to the net. You know, Carpenter can win faceoffs for you. Reeves... There's going to be times his role is going to be very important. You play Washington, you want Ryan Reeves out there. That's just the way it's going to work. So he's not really going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Chris says, hey, Don, I was very happy to see Bill Clement and Al Morganti enter the Hockey Hall of Fame. How well do you know both of them and any chance of Bill returning to commentating? I'm not sure. I, Bill's kind of just you know semi-retired. I know he does occasional things. For the Flyers, I don't really know Al Morganti other than just being a fan. And when ESPN first had the television package, it was—I thought he did an amazing job. And I know he's been very well respected in his career in Philadelphia. Bill Clement is the nicest guy on the face of the earth. Um, he used to come on NHL Live with us. Always very helpful. Um, when I've ever auditioned for jobs around the National Hockey League, he's always there for me for advice to help me uh, before I go in for my audition. And one of the highlights of my career, and I wish I was able to save it, but this was a couple of phones ago. I did a one nothing. maybe Anthony will remember this game, going back a few years ago. It was a game at the United Center. Rangers beat the Blackhawks one nothing in overtime on a Derek Broussard goal. Both goaltenders were amazing in the game. I'm trying to even remember who the goalies were, but I think both backups were going. I'd have to go look up in my archives who the goalies were, but it wasn't Lundqvist, and it was it was whoever the backup goaltenders for either team. So it was, it was a Sunday, I remember, and it, it was a game, I think it was on national television, so it was just me and Dave on the trip. None of the TV guys were there, and it was a real fun game. Um, so I call the game, Broussard scores in overtime. And so I go down the elevator, and I'm going, getting ready to go on the bus. I get a text message from Bill Clement. Don, listening to the game on SiriusXM, what an amazing job. I'm really proud of you. I almost cried. I was like, this is Bill Clement. This is Clement and Gary Thorne calling games on ESPN. You know, and he texted me to say that I did a great job, and I'll never, ever forget that. And I don't know. I don't get to see him that often anymore because, again, he's not always at the Philly games when I'm down there. But uh, Bill Clement, I love the guy, salt of the earth, tremendous human being. And we used to joke around with him when we do NHL Live every once in a while. Clement, Clement, hands of cement. That was a thing that they said in Philadelphia back in the day, and he always got a kick out of that. But I uh, can't say I know much about Al Morganti, but Bill Clement is an absolute rock star to me. So congratulations on him going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. It is very, very well-deserved. All right. Here's the situation. If anybody listens to the Michael K. Show, you know that Friday is our 20th anniversary show. 20 years on the Michael K. Show from the Palladium. You can get your tickets at kshow20.com if you want to go. If you're going to be in the New York metropolitan area, I encourage you to go. It's going to be a lot of fun. Joe Torre is going to be there. Chris Russo is going to be there. Sauce Gardner of the Jets. Nick Mangold. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. So, um... I am not going to be able to do the podcast on Friday, so there's no way around it. So we'll hook back up again on Monday, hopefully with EJ. Want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We will talk to you again coming up on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. 
is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.